We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings on the Prophet, peace be upon him. Continuing our exploration of Riyadh al-Salihin, now we are in the narration attributed to uh, Zir bin Hubeish. What uh, number is it in your book? 19. Number 19. Okay, go for it. I went to Safan bin Asal to inquire him about the symbolic passing of wet hands over socks while performing ebullition. He asked me, what brings you here, sir? I answered, search for knowledge. He said, angels spread their wings for the seeker of knowledge out of joy for what he seeks. I told him, some doubts have arisen in my mind regarding the symbolic passing of wet hands over socks in the course of performing ebullition after defecation or urinating. Now, since you are the one of the Companions of Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu I've come to ask you whether you've heard any saying from the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu concerning it. He replied in the affirmative and said, He, Sallallahu instructed us that during a journey we need not to take off our socks for washing the feet up to three days and three nights, except in the case of gra- grave impurity after sexual intercourse. In other cases, such as sleeping, easing oneself, or urinating, the symbolic passing of hands over socks will suffice. I then questioned him, did you hear him saying anything about love and affection? We accompany, his messenger, uh, we accompany Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad in a journey where the Bedouin uh, called out in a loud, rough voice, O Muhammad, Allah's Messenger, replied to him in the same tone, Here I am. I said to him, Fee on you lower your voice in his presence because Allah has ordered to do so. He retorted by Allah, I will not lower my voice. And then addressing the Prophet Muhammad said, What about a person who has affection for people but has not yet found himself in their company? Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad replied, On the judgment day, a person will be in the company of those whom he loves. He then kept on talking to us, and in the course of his talk, he mentioned a gateway in the west, and the width of which could be crossed by a rider in forty or seventy years. Safyan, one of the narrators of this tradition, further says, This gateway is in the direction of Syria. Allah created it on the same day he created the heavens and earth. It is open for repentance. It will not be shut till the sun rises from that direction. Day of Judgment. Okay, so a lot of stuff that almost seems unrelated, so let's take it piece by piece. First and foremost, you have this person who's talking to Safwan. And and so Zir most likely is one of the Tabi'in. So you have the, the companions. And a companion is someone who, in a common opinion, is a companion is someone who, assuming they have sight, while they're in belief, they see the Prophet, peace be upon him, with their own eyes. Okay? And they don't leave belief. Okay. And so so that would make someone a companion. And then a tabi, meaning a, a successor or a follower, is someone who sees a companion. Okay. okay. And what's built into that? The idea is that if you're looking at someone face to face, if you're looking at someone with your eyes, um, uh, then there's interaction. Thus we use the word companion as opposed to student or disciple. Right? That these are people in the company of each other. And the primary method of practicing your deen, of practicing your religion, learning your religion, is person to person. As opposed to you just get a book yourself and study it. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
And you can learn a lot by studying a book on your own, uh, but you could also waste a whole lot of time. And, but when it's person to person, then it's, it's directed primarily directly for you. And so the first question was about, about you know, uh, are we permitted uh, to wipe over our hoofs? So hoof is primarily a leather sock. Um, and so in the Quran, the, the ayah on wudu, this is in Surah 5, Surah Al-Ma'idah, and I forgot if it's ayah 6 or 8, where basically when you stand up for prayer, wash your hands, wash your face, wash your feet, and wipe your, um, wipe your head. Okay? And the ayah says to wash your feet. Uh, but the Prophet, peace be upon him, did give permission um, for wiping if you have these types of socks. So in the schools of law, what do these socks have to, uh, what, what is the nature of the socks that will qualify? Your normal cotton socks? No. These are socks where the water can't per, uh, penetrate through them. Okay. So if they get wet, your feet aren't going to get wet. Okay. And there aren't any holes that are too big. And in the fiqh books, the books of Islamic law, the holes are uh, somewhere from the size of one toe sticking out or up to three toes sticking out, right? And they can't be shoes. Because um, shoes, the bottom, your soles of your shoes are dirty. So these have to be socks that do not have a sole. Okay? Now there are some who are of the opinion that you can still put your shoes on. Here we're going with the perspective that you do not need to redo the wudu on your feet except wiping. And so what is the difference between wiping and washing? Washing in these, in these fiqh books basically is that you have enough water for a few extra drops. Okay? Wiping is you don't have any extra drops. That's really the, the really difference. Okay? So he says, you know, tell me about this. And then Safwan says, well, why are you actually here? And the real reason is the search for knowledge. So it's not that Safwan is coming only just for questions. He's coming to gain knowledge. So it's almost like he's saying, can you teach me anything that the Prophet, peace be upon him, taught you? What about this? And so then he says, angels spread their wings for the seeker of knowledge out of joy for what he seeks. And so this is another huge point, that one of the most valuable possessions you can have is knowledge. Okay. And there's the, uh, I mean, if you go to Al-Ghazali's magnum opus, the Ihya, um, the first few chapters are just narration after narration after narration. Uh, of the virtues and benefits and such of knowledge, right? That the path to paradise opens for you, or all the animals and the fish in the sea are praying for you when you're in the path searching for knowledge. Okay. So he says, I told him I have some doubts in my mind regarding the wiping of wet hands over the over light boots or, or over hoofs in performing wudu after defecation or urination. So the basic point being that if I break my wudu, okay, am I allowed to only wipe my feet rather than wash them if I'm wearing these socks. So he says, well, you're one of the companions, so I'm asking you, have you heard anything from the Prophet, peace be upon him? And then, and then so Safan says, uh, the Prophet, peace be upon him, instructed us that if we're on a journey, you don't have to take these off for up to three days, okay? Unless you are Janaba. Janaba is major impurity, which would be something like what comes from sexual intercourse. Then you have to do ghusl, okay? But if it's not major impurity, like you go to the bathroom, okay, then you can keep them on for up to three days. Okay, now keep in mind, if you take them off, uh, you have to do wudu before you put them back on again. Okay, assuming your wudu was broken, okay, at some point while you were wearing them. Okay, but then the three days would restart. Okay. So then he asks, 
more questions. So he moves from thick now to something deeper. Did he did he did you hear him say anything about love and affection? And he says, um, okay, we were with the messenger of Allah on a journey and a Bedouin called out to us in a loud voice. This was kind of the, re the reputation of Bedouins, that they were very coarse in their language. So they're like talking very loudly, you know, Yo Muhammad, give me something about this, right? Imagine what you think of even someone who's, who lives in the mountain, what their personality is going to be like, right? And so the Prophet, peace be upon him, responded to him in the same tone. <coughs> I'm here. Yeah, which is also interesting, because maybe we'll think that the Prophet, peace be upon him, will respond in a soft tone. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you need to respond to people in the same tone as you. Okay? Even though we might think in our culture that you respond softer, but sometimes what they need to hear is that you're responding in the same, same level of volume, because that's just their culture. Mm -hmm. Right? So then I said... So Safwan says to the Bedouin, you know, lower your voice in the presence you, of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And the Bedouin says, Wallahi, I am not going to lower my voice. And then he says, the Bedouin says, what about the person who loves people but has not found themselves in their company? Okay. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, says, on the Day of Judgment, you're going to be with those whom you love. Okay. So what else is taking place here? All of these are situations where you don't have the full picture. What I mean or you don't have the full situation. So, uh, you can skip doing the full wudu, mm. meaning the wiping of the feet. And here you can wipe. Okay. And then here, another place where you don't have the full situation, you have love for certain people, but you're just never in their company. Mm. And who is he probably talking about? Well, for us, it'd be like being in the, in the company of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Mm. Okay. So, on the Day of Judgment, you will be with those whom you love. Okay. Okay. And think about this, like if you have relatives who passed away, loved one who's passed, loved ones who've passed away. If you love them, then on the day of judgment you'll be reunited with them. Yeah. And this is a, an important point of our view of reality. That when someone dies, they're not gone forever. Right? Inshallah, you'll be reunited with them. So then the difficulty is going through 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years before you see them again. Okay? And then the Prophet Pisona is answering further. So this is interesting. So Zir is asking Safwan, and Safwan is narrating the Prophet answering this Bedouin. Okay, so it's like layers within layers. And the Prophet, peace be upon him, is then speaking about this gate of repentance, which is so huge that it would take a horse running at full speed 40 to 70 years. So think about how gigantic that door has to be. Wow. So what is that saying about repentance? The door is wide open to seek the repentance from Allah, to seek forgiveness from Allah, uh, until it shuts, which will be when the sun rises from, from the west. It's okay. a day of judgment. Yeah. And so, so what is the overall point here? Or what are the core questions? We have uh, wiping of the socks, and then we have um, um, the um, love and affection, Right, and then we have uh, not a question, but repentance. Okay, so put those together. We have uh, fiqh, which is the practice of Islamic law. Okay, your actions. We have the condition of your heart, okay, uh, which is you know what's going on with love, and then what to do to fix things, which is repentance. Okay, so that's a very complete picture. Okay, uh, you want to do the next one?
This is a famous story. Hadith number 20. Narrated by Abu Sa'id al-Khudri. Allah's Messenger, Prophet Muhammad sallam, said, There was once a person from among a nation before you who killed 99 persons, then made an inquiry about the most learned persons on earth. He was directed to a monk. He came to him and told him that he had killed 99 persons and asked him if there was any scope for his repentance to be accepted. He replied in the negative, and the man killed him, also completing 100. He then asked about the most learned person on earth. He was directed to a scholar. He told him that he had killed 100 persons and asked him if there was any chance for his repentance to be accepted. He replied in the affirmative and asked, What stands between you and repentance? Go to such and such land. There you will find people devoted to prayer and the worship of Allah. Join them in worship and do not come back to your land because it is an evil place. So he went away and hardly had he covered half the distance when death overtook him. And there was a dispute between the angels of mercy and the angels of torment. The angels of mercy pleaded, This man has come with a repenting heart to Allah. And the angels of punishment argued, He never did a virtuous deed in his life. Then there appeared another angel in the form of a human being, and the contending uh, angels agreed to make him the arbitrator between them. He said, Measure the distance between the two lands. He will be considered belonging to the land to which he is nearer. They measured and found him closer to the land, the land of piety, where he did, intended to go. And so the angels of mercy undertook him to take his soul. One narration is, he found to be nearer to the locality of the pious by a cubit, and was thus included among them. Another version says, Allah commanded that the land of which he wanted to leave to move away, and commanded the other land, his destination, to draw nearer. And then he said, now measure the distance between them. It was found that he was nearer to his goal by a hand's span, and was thus forgiven. It was also narrated that he drew closer by a slight movement on his chest. Okay, so this is an interesting story. You have a guy who killed 99 people. Okay. 100. And, and, well, first 99. And so now he is wondering, do I have any hope? So he goes to a monk. Now think about what a monk is. A monk is not a scholar. A monk is someone who is in constant prayer. And so he asked the monk, is there any hope for me? And the monk says, no. So the man kills him. Like, what else is he going to do? I got nothing to lose now. Who cares? Right? And then the man reaches a scholar, and he asks the scholar, is there any hope for me? And the scholar says, yeah, but you got to get yourself out of that town. And go put yourself in the company of people who are upright. Okay? And so <clears throat> think about what the point is that's being made there that we are very often influenced by our environment. Mm -hmm. So it's probably his environment that made him into a killer. Okay? And he's still to blame for his choices. But he needs to put himself in the company of people who worship. Right? It may have been better for him if he was just with the monk and he just focused on worship because um, the monk was not able to answer the question properly. So he's saying, yeah, of course there is, so head out there. And so now the man is leaving and then he dies on the way there. Right? And this next part is interesting because the angels are arguing who takes him. Mm -hmm. okay? And so it doesn't seem to indicate that he has actually made the request for forgiveness. Okay? He's made the actions to change his ways. 
and we'll get into that in just a second. And so then they're deciding, okay, if he's made it more than halfway, then that seems to indicate that, yeah, he is trying to get forgiveness. And if it's left less than halfway, then he wasn't. Okay. And it looked like he made it just a hair beyond. Okay. So he had the intention of seeking forgiveness. And so thus he is getting treated as though he sought forgiveness. Okay. So his heart sought forgiveness. So what's taking place? First, he probably had remorse okay, for all the killing. But sometimes, you know, you just reach like rock bottom and you, you just can't help it. You just keep allowing yourself to do something that's very harmful. Right, and now you're trying to change your ways, and so then he goes to, goes to the the scholar and such, or the monk and then the scholar, and now he's headed to to find his redemption. Yeah. And so what is taking place here? Also, that narration where we said you have to pass those three tests to see if you're sincere. Number one, you stop doing it. Number two, you regard it as wrong. Mm-hmm. Or number one, you regard regard the action as wrong. Number two, you stop doing it. And number three, you hate to go back to it. So he illustrates that by going to this town of people who are upright. Yeah, he did the third one by leaving the place he exactly. Yeah, so Exactly. And that's sometimes what we need to do. Like if you find yourself, uh, you can't stop doing a sin, a particular sin, you have to figure out how to change your environment. And that's very, very hard in our day. We're a very mobile generation but it's still very hard to move to a different place. We have access easier than, yeah. than the old times. Yeah. Any questions about anything? Uh, I, so I was kind of confused about one thing. Yeah. Was, okay, so I would like to think that like Allah is in charge of our births and deaths. Yeah. So why were the angels even contesting if like Allah would be the one who judged him? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, he's the one who... Made him die in that moment. Okay. So, so basically, the way a lot of this the world works is that, uh, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, Allah is controlling everything. Mm-hmm. But in terms of how the world operates, okay, um, uh, basically, very often Allah Taala sends angels to make things happen. Mm-hmm. Okay. So think of Allah as though He's controlling the angels and He's controlling the what they're doing, mm-hmm. but He makes angels be sort of the caretakers of the world. So angels have the job of taking someone's soul. So Allah, Allah announces this person could die at this place and at this time. The angel's the one that takes the soul, mm. right? And so these are the angels that are not going to take his soul to wherever the next destination is. Mm. See what I'm saying? Okay. That Allah's controlling everything, but he's also set up the system. Just like we have physics in this world, at another dimension we have angels. Okay. Any other questions? No, it was, it was very self-explanatory. Very, very, yeah. Really yeah. So next time, inshallah, we'll get into the really big ones. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's stop right here. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka natubu ilayk. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.